Don't you just wish you were like youth or young adults right now? If you are, lucky you. It's awesome. It's a good day. Yes? One, two, three. It's a... Yes, it is. We're really glad that you're here. I've been trying to do the last um, couple Sundays, and I'm going to continue it till I stop, uh, doing a celebrate moment on Sunday mornings of just something that, in case some of you go, I don't know if it's a good day. Do you have evidence that it's a good day? I have evidence, and I have evidence that this is one fantastic church, and so I'm just trying to celebrate every now and then on a Sunday morning, just before we look at God's Word, something good that's happening. So we've done that the last few weeks, and today we have two, because I found out one just this morning. But here's the first one. The first one is this picture that you're seeing here on the screens. Every Thursday, um, and I don't know when this started long before I got here. So years, I think it's been happening. Every Thursday at 11 o'clock in the morning, there's a group of ladies that come together and they pray. And they pray for an hour. They pray for our youth. They pray for our young adults. They pray for our church. They pray for our city. They pray for other churches in the city. And they pray for each other. And it's just awesome. And I am so grateful that we have a group of people that prays together once a week on Thursday mornings. Isn't that something we're celebrating? Yes, that's good. Now, here's the other thing, and and I just wanted to share this because I only found this out early this morning. So in our first service, we have a guy that comes, and his name is Dave, and he usually sits right back in that back corner there, and I don't think he's there right now, but he was here for first service, and, and, and lots of you know him, and you've met him, and he said to me this morning, he said, Pastor Patty, I just want you to know, you know, he's got a story. Everybody's got a story. He said, it was 22 years ago... 22 years ago that Prem and Sydney kept coming to me over and over again saying, why don't you come into church? Because he was a guy that was out there on the street and was uh, stuck in drug and alcohol addiction. And he said, 22 years ago, I finally came in and I met Jesus and got delivered from drugs and alcohol. And I'm still here 22 years later. Isn't that awesome? Right? This is one fantastic church, and it's a good, good day. And so I like to give you these celebrate moments so that you know that there's stuff that happens here. People's lives are being changed, and it's awesome. And so we're going to continue on with this series that we've been doing on Sunday mornings. And uh, we've been working on it online through the week. There's a reading plan that we've been following on Version. If you're on Version right now, you can see the link for that reading plan. And we've also come together in a Facebook group. And there's about 92 of us right now that are on that group just checking chatting together as we read the scripture together every single day, and we pray about it, and we talk about it, and all of that. And so I've been sharing that with you. And so the series has been called, I don't know if you remember the name, it's been called, Really? Okay, now try and say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Really? Like that. And then you answer by going, really? Right? And some of you have come up and said, how are you, Patty? And I go, fine. And you go, really? So it's catching on, which is great. <laughs> so, so I've had uh, several goals during this series, and we're on week three of it, and next week we'll bring it to an end. But, but I've had three goals. One of them is to help you develop the habit of reading your Bible every day, because many, many Christians struggle with this. And we all know it's something we should do and something that matters and something that when we do do it, it often feeds us and gives us strength, and then we fall out of the habit. And, that, and it's easy to think you're the only one that struggles. You're not the only one. So we said, let's, let's try to do this together. And so trying to help you develop the habit of reading your Bible every day. And second of all, to have you do that in community and to build the relationships that are within our church and within our congregation. And so we're doing that through our Facebook group and talking to each other every day. And then my third thing, which is just, um, 
blatant. It's, it's a secret agenda, but I'm just telling you straight up. My third thing is, for those of you that aren't joining in on this, my goal is to make you go, man, I wish I had joined in on this. So that next time, you'll actually jump in and be part of what's happening, not just be here on Sunday morning. And so, so those have been my goals. And then I want to kind of give you a bigger picture so you know what it is we're trying to do because I don't want you at the end to go, oh, I didn't know that's what we were trying to do. I want to give you a heads up right at the beginning. So between New Year's and, and Easter, there's three big themes that we're going to go through that we're trying to, to bring into your life and try to help. And the first one is is, of course, reading your Bible every day. And it's ending next Sunday on our fifth Sunday, which starts at what time? 10 a.m. Yay, you got that. And then after that, we're going into prayer. And praying every day, we're going into 40 days of prayer. And we're going to give you all kinds of tools to work with that. Some of it's going to be online. Some of it's going to be uh, different prayer times that you can join in together. And we'll be speaking about it on Sunday. So starting with Bible reading and then going into prayer and giving you the, the opportunity to pray every day, 40 days of prayer. And then what we're doing in the last four weeks before Easter, we are going to target our Sunday mornings specifically specifically towards people who have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus or who aren't sure what they think about it. And it's not going to be hardcore, high pressure. It's going to be straight up. Hey, we know you've got objections. Can we just talk? And so it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit different part video, part me speaking, but I want you to start thinking now of people in your life, neighbors or work, work colleagues or whatever, other friends that you have who are going, what? You go to church every Sunday. Why do you do that? Or they want, they have some questions and get ready because we're going to, we're going to spend four weeks just before Easter, just speaking directly to that. And we're hoping that people will meet Jesus. Sounds like a good thing, right? And so by the time we get to Easter, if you've been participate, if, if you've been participating, you're going to have developed some awesome habits in your life of reading the Bible every day and of praying every day and of sharing your faith with somebody on a regular basis every day, whatever you want to call it, right? And so I want to tell you that ahead of time so that you don't go, well, I didn't know. Now you know. And, and so I want you to jump in and be part of that. And so um, we've been doing this series called Really? And week one was about unity. And we said that unity is, is offensive sometimes and it's terrifying, but it's also, it's also the, the definition, it's the picture of the church of Jesus Christ. All of us from different backgrounds and different everything, and yet we come together around Jesus Christ. And we said, what does it look like when we walk in unity with each other and we, we attempt to walk in unity with the people that are outside our church? We said, well, number one, you gotta get out of your own track. And we said, just, just get out of your own space. Get out of your rut that you're in. Even, even just change seats on Sunday morning, which was, you know, a little bit tricky for some of you. I changed seats this morning and I sat over here instead of there and the whole worship team just didn't know what to do. Where do we sit? The pastor's in our seat. I threw them right off. And so we said, walk across the room, talk to somebody different, do something different. And then we said, you need to be able to identify your other or identify, you know, what the Bible refers to as your enemy, meaning Say out loud who it is that you struggle with, who it is that you struggle to connect with, somebody that you don't instantly click with so that you can find a way to start working on, on unity with that person or with that group of people. And then we said you have to live openly and you have to live authentically and relationally with people. And then finally we said just, just, just go. Say it with me. Go. 
Just go. The Great Commission said, go, get out of the room, get out of the walls, get out there and be part of our world so that we can, we can carry Jesus to them. And so that was the first week. And the second week, we talked about priorities. And we talked about um, um, our, how priorities tend to follow purpose. So you have to know what your purpose is before you can set your priorities up. And our purpose is to seek the kingdom of God, to, to go after God, to pursue God with everything that's in us, to love God and to love people. And so therefore our priorities, we use the resources God has given us of time and energy and money. We use those resources to, to align with those priorities that follows that purpose. And so we said, what does that look like? We said there were three things of what that might look like. Number one was practice gratefulness. Practice gratefulness. I'm going to give you 10 seconds right now. Turn to the person beside you. Tell them something you're thankful for. Go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 2 and a half, 1, 0. Okay? Practice gratefulness. We said it was a big thing for helping to get our priorities in line because we live in this world that tells us not to be grateful, that we need more, and we have to have more, and always, and blah, blah, blah. And so we said, we're gonna, you got to practice being grateful and practice being contented to fight against that. And then we said, have fun with what you have. Whatever time God has given you, whatever money God has given you, whatever energy God has given you, start having fun with it in faith, trusting that what God has said is actually true. And start giving it, start living generously. We said we're going to rediscover or discover for the first time the fun of living generously. Not waiting until we're rich or waiting until we have all this extra time, but just go for it now and experiment with it and see what God does. And then the third thing we said was just get real. Like get real. Ask ourselves at the end of the day, how did I spend my time? How did I spend my energy? What did I do with my, with my finances? And did they align with, with what I say my purpose is and with what my priorities are? And so, so that's what we've done week one and week two. Today is week three, and today's topic is, you ready? Dun, dun, dun. Relationships. Okay, say that with me. Relationships. Now, relationships are complicated. Some people, you meet them, and, and you, you meet them for the very first time, and you just, you just click, right? Instant, instant click. You get along. You're just BFFs right away. You're tweeting about your new friend, right? And it's somebody that you just get along with, and everything's the same, and everything's wonderful. How many have ever had a relationship like that? Yes. And then there's the other kind. <laughs> there's the kind of relationship that you go, oh, it's not so much a click as a, I gotta go, right? And, and people that when you meet them or you get to know them a little bit, they're a little bit difficult to get along with or they're just, you know, has anybody here ever had a relationship like that? The rest of you aren't telling the truth. Okay. Just, I'm just telling you. And so, so relationships are difficult sometimes. And so when we think about what the Bible says about relationships, we kind of go, Really? <laughs> okay. So, because we go, the Bible says, well, you got to be kind. Really? And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Really? You could do it with me, I've, right? So I don't have to keep doing it by myself. You can go, the Bible says, well, forgive 70 times 7, which, by the way, means you've had to forgive 70 times 7. So somebody's done something wrong against you 70 times 7 times, and you got to forgive them 70 times 7, and we all go, 
really? There it is. And, and then the Bible says, well, you got to love your enemy. And we go, really? And you got to honor your parents. And we go, oh, really? And the, it's getting quieter now. And then the Bible also says, don't exasperate your kids. And we go, but they exasperate me. Right? And the Bible says, turn the other cheek. And we go, I'm all out of cheeks. Okay? And, but so relationships are difficult and we end up looking at scripture and going, seriously, like really, is that what we're supposed to do? But relationships, listen, I hate to break it to you. They're a part of life. They just are. Unless you're going to be a monk or a hermit and, and, and move far away from all of society and just have you, and then you don't have any relationships. But just so you know, in that case, you have to live with yourself and you aren't always a delight. So there's that. But then if you're not going to do that, then you have to live in relationship with people. And, and there's relationships at work. There's, there's your dispatcher that, that is rude when he tells you what is coming next. Or your manager that's a little bit difficult. Or your colleague who just talks, talks, talks when you're trying to get work done. Or the person you're trying to manage and who is just, you know, they're not quite getting it. So you have all of these work relationships that are difficult. Or you have family relationships that are difficult. You have, for example, siblings who know how to push your buttons. Anyone? Anyone? Right? Or you have um, parents that are just, they're, they're lovely, but they just, they just can't quite approve of whatever it is that you're doing. Or you have kids that are just driving you a little bit mental. They're living in the world of their own. And then you have relationships within the church. And, and don't get me started on that. Okay. So a bunch of us this week, we were talking um, just a few of us over lunch, and we were talking about different churches we had been in and different experiences we had had in churches, and we were sharing stories. And honestly, a lot of the stories were stories of um, betrayal and church splits and lack of integrity and sometimes the church not being what it's supposed to be. Can I just tell I worked at a church once years ago, ages ago, somewhere else far, far away a long time ago. And, and people, when they came into that church, that church did not have a good reputation at the time. And people from the neighborhood would come in and genuinely true. They said, this got said to me several times. They said, well, you know, I remember the day in this church when the board kicked the pastor out and locked the doors and the pastor had his own service in the parking lot. Yeah. How many know the church was not carrying Jesus well at that time? Okay. And so, so relationships are difficult even in the church sometimes. And they're complex, but they're part of life and you can't get away from them. So we've been talking about this a lot this week in our reading plan and in our Facebook group. And we've been chatting back and forth about it. And, and I want to give you um, sort of a, a summary of what it is we've been talking about and looking at what scripture really says. And I thought I'll just tell you up front what the three things are so that you're ready. Okay. So number one about relationships, number one is I need good people. Okay. Number two is, I need to be good people. And number three is, even good people are messy. Okay? That's where we're going today. So number one is, I need good people. Say it with me. I need good people. Now turn to the person beside you and go, you need good people. Okay? We need good people people. We need good people in our lives. Now, this is not always as easy as it sounds. And so one of the people in our Facebook group, they were just so honest and right up front, they, they started talking about this and they said, you know, I'm, I was a Christian or I am a Christian that mainly has been leaving my faith between me and my God. 
And I see that it makes so much sense to be involved in a community, but Lord, I am not good at this. I need you to help me. I just loved that prayer, this understanding that I need good people, but it's not always easy to do. Now, here's the thing. We live in this society, especially um, like here in Canada and Quebec, Montreal. We, We live in this society that is tremendously individualistic. And so uh, we talk a lot, we prioritize a lot uh, things that matter to me. So my rights, my needs, what's my purpose in life, what are my priorities? And we're very, very individualistic. And, and we, we do it so much that it starts to sound normal. So if it sounds normal to you, let me, let me just throw it at you from another angle, that there have been times in history or times in other cultures, not particularly this one so much, when it has been normal, normal, for an individual to set aside their own preferences and even their own needs for the good of the whole. So, so there's been times in history or in, in different cultures or whatever where people set aside what they want or what they think the best is it for the good of, of their nation or for the good of their church or for the good of their family or the good of their, their workplace. And, and, and some, some cultures and sometimes have been more community oriented than ours is. Ours is tremendously individualistic where we, we prioritize our individual wants and needs over what's good for the whole. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it is, okay? That's, that's where we live. Now, but the thing is, in some cases, that has led to us having a very individualistic faith. And that is a problem. And you've heard me say this before. Every now and then you run into somebody who says, well, you know, my faith is very personal. It's just me and Jesus, just me and Jesus. I don't need any other people. I don't need the church. You know, the church is a human invention after all. And, and Jesus died to save me. And he's my personal savior. And my faith is just very personal. Can I just tell you, and I'm saying this sort of gently, but if you take this to the extreme of a very individual faith, a very individualistic uh, personal faith, it turns into a very tremendously selfish thing where God is about me and the church is about me. And, And so then if I don't like the church or I don't like some of the people in the church, well, then I just withdraw because, well, it's just me and Jesus anyway. See how that goes. And that's not actually biblical. <laughs> it's not actually Christianity. And, and this uh, mindset can also lead to a very consumeristic faith where, where you're the consumer and, and the faith is something where I come and I take what I want from it. And so I, I posted this article a few weeks ago. Those of you who are friends with me on Facebook, you would have seen it. And it was by a guy named Carrie Newhoff. Carrie Newhoff is a founding pastor and, and a widely respected teacher about the church and about leadership of Connexus Church, which is in Ontario and has several locations. So he's Canadian, has a really good understanding of, of our culture. And, and he posted this article, and I just want to read you this quote from it, okay? Any church leader who's been in ministry for more than a few months has heard different variations of this. I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. Well, what are you going to do to better meet my needs. I'm leaving this church to find one that better suits, say it with me, my needs. And, and Carrie says, the longer a Christian has been in church, 
the more likely it is that they've uttered a phrase or two like this from time to time. But, 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 what if the church was never intended to meet your needs? What if the furthest thing from God's mind when he created the church was to meet your needs? The heart of the Christian faith isn't about satisfying yourself. It's about dying to yourself. Ouch. The church was God's idea. It's not a human invention. And we've talked about this before. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church. It was Jesus' idea. In Ephesians chapter 3, the apostle Paul talks about the church. And he says, God's purpose in all this was to use what? The church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was God's eternal plan, the church, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. The church was God's idea. There's no concept in the Bible of just me and Jesus. There's, there's no understanding of that at all. The Bible assumes in the New Testament where the church was born, it assumes that if you are following Jesus, you're doing it in community with other believers. And so we need good people. I need good people. Say it with me. I need good people. So we looked at this idea in our reading plan this week. And, and one of the things we looked at was um, the fruits of the Spirit. And if you're not familiar with that phrase, the fruits of the Spirit, it's in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church, a specific local church, and, and he, he described um, these qualities that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And here's what he said in Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the devotional that we were reading in our, in our reading this week pointed out that most of those characteristics don't get developed in isolation. Most of those characteristics get developed and are put to use in relationships with other people. Okay, look at the list. Love. Can you have love just self-contained without? No. Love requires another person. Look at love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, that's about interacting with other people. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness requires another person. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control usually involves somebody that's driving you mental. Right? And so, the, so it's not that God develops those in us just in isolation from other people. They get developed in relationship. Now, somebody commented on this on our Facebook group, and I just loved what they said. This is what they wrote. I heard Rick Warren say that difficult people are like sandpaper sent by God. <laughs> you love that? Sandpaper sent by God to mold you into the person he wants you to be. I love that. It kind of made me realize and appreciate what God was doing in my life. That some people and situations are just what I need to become a more joyful, patient, loving, kind, gentle, and self-controlled person. And then they had this moment of honesty and they ended off their post with this. I have to admit though, sometimes it's hard to swallow. <laughs> Hooray for honesty. It's hard. 
I need good people. We need good people. You need them and I need them. Ecclesiastes chapter four says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm in January in Montreal. Likewise, two people are, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Then Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Can I just tell you, I, I have um, friends and, and relationships in my life that I am so grateful for, of good people who have poured into me and who have I've intentionally stayed connected with because they have strengthened me and they have sharpened me and they've helped me to become a better follower of Jesus. Two of those people are former pastors in this church, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Bill. Both have been people that have encouraged me and that have helped me to grow stronger and helped me to become sharper. Um, I have a friend who's a missionary in Ukraine, and his name is Ed Dixon. I've known him for forever, and he's a person that encourages me from the other side of the world. Patty, how you doing? I've been praying for you today. These are some of the things, and we just we talk back and forth, and we click really well. Jeff and I have um, a, a couple that we're friends with. We've been friends with since we went to school together a hundred years ago. And, and they're people that we've maintained that friendship with, and we have really solid trust, and, and there's wisdom that goes back and forth, and there's help. That, they are people that we're safe with when we've had times where we're just struggling and not sure who we can talk to. We know we could talk to them, and they do the same with us. And I am grateful for good people in my life. We need good people. And, and somebody wrote on this, on this Facebook page when we were ta- when we were talking about this, and this, this guy is not even part of Evangel. He's part of another church that I used to be part of, and he asked if he could join our Facebook group, and we said, sure. And so he, he wrote this, and I, I just love this story that he wrote, is somebody, like I said, used to be in a different church and then had, had walked away from the church for a while. This is what he said. I woke up early on Sunday morning, and I mean early, it was 3.30. I had a stressful Saturday. I hesitantly read the devotion and the scriptures and then spent some time in prayer. And I felt God nudging me to go to church. I used to call a certain church that he had. I used to call a certain church my church home. And I thought about it. And I came up with every excuse in the book on why I couldn't go. But the nudging was still there. I had a couple of pressing emails to write. Got them done. Still had plenty of time. As a matter of fact, it seemed that time stood still. Finally, I headed out the door and figured I would be a couple of minutes late and I could just slip in and sit in the back row. Well, I got there and was warmly greeted. And then I saw a friendly, familiar face and it was someone that had reached out to me in the past after I left. And then after the worship, during a prayer and welcome time, I saw another couple of familiar faces. The message was about loving Jesus and ways that we show his love and one of them was fellowship with the church. I believe I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Isn't that great? We need good people. Now, here's the second piece that I want you to hear. I need to be good people. Okay, say it with me. I need to... Okay, say the B with a little more emphasis, okay? I need to... Good people. Turn to the person beside you and say, you need to be good people. 
Now, here's the thing. I've been in church long enough, and some of you have too, to know what somebody's going to say back to me, which is why this is the second point. Sometimes, without realizing it, we get really stuck on the first one. I need good people. And then you come to me, or you go to each other, or you go to somebody else, and you go, Pastor Patty, I need good people. But I can't find any good people. And I don't have any good people around me. And I feel alone. And I know I need people. But no one is reaching out to me. Sometimes, in that case, maybe there's someone else who needs you to be good people for them. We need to be good people. I overheard um, Pastor Rob's wife, Jana, saying the other day that when they were on the road, because they traveled um, for years, and they would travel to a different place every single week. It was what they did in their ministry, which made it really, really hard to develop relationships with people and develop connections. And they learned that. And and Jana, I talked to her about this because I overheard her saying it, and I asked her for some clarification. And she said, well, when we were on the road, we had to find people to invest in. If we waited for people to reach out to us... Nobody ever would have, because it was too short a time. And so if we wanted friends, we had to be friends. And so we would find people really quickly and then find a way to invest in them and pour into them and then stay connected with them because we needed people, so we were those people. Isn't that a great perspective? Isn't that a great way of looking at it? Listen, we aren't just people who need good people. We are people who are needed by other people to be good people for them. Try saying that 10 times fast. (laughs) Paul, the Apostle Paul, gets really practical about what this looks like. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says, stop telling lies. Be good people. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Be good people. Use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now just keep that on the screen for a second. I want you to think back through your week and think through the people that you've interacted with, especially the ones that were less pleasant Okay, and re- rewind in your mind and see if, if you fulfilled this. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We need to be good people. Other people need us to be good people because it's how we were made to function. And I love the way that, that Paul talks about it in, in Romans chapter 12. He, he just says, look, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as, as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Be good people. Take action. Do it. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We need to be good people. 
Because you matter, and I matter, and we all matter together. And we don't just need others. They need us. Other people need you, and they need us. They need you to be the kind of people that build them up. And the kind of people that strengthen relationships, we need to be good people. Now, listen to what some people said in our Facebook group when we were talking about this. This is what one person said. When I started my journey after, after devoting my life to Christ, I went through a very lonely period where some friends and I slowly drifted apart. I had no close friends who shared the same faith as I did. I had been distant from church for so long and felt disconnected. And a close family member who I saw as a sister cut me out of her life one day without a clear explanation. I would pray for people who would encourage me in my walk, mentor me, guide me, listen to me. And that didn't happen for a while. But then I noticed God pointing me into a direction that involved commitment, forgiveness, openness, intimacy, and a whole bunch of other things I wasn't really good at. Spending more time with him and reading his word helped me understand the importance of having strong and healthy relationships. And God even showed me how to be a better friend and sister and daughter. We need to be good people. Somebody else said on our Facebook group, every day, every day, I have the opportunity to show love to someone to show kindness, to do good. And then one person wrote their story, and this is someone who's right here, part of our congregation, and they shared their story and talked about how it impacted them and taught them to be good people. And I I just thought it was a phenomenal story. They said, I remember when I was younger, my grandfather loved to tell me the tale of his journey, how he embarked on a small fishing boat, faced the open ocean with its waves, endured famine, was robbed by pirates, and despite all the misery, still made it safely to Canada. As you may have guessed it, my grandfather was part of the boat people who fled Vietnam back in 1975. He always told me, remember who you are. Remember the miracles that God has made. How wonderful his love and protection extended to our family. Those words were embedded in me. And as I grew up, I never forgot what God did for our family. And I witnessed his love personally, even when my non-believer friends used to laugh me out of the classroom because of my faith. I'm glad to say I knew nothing better than to love them back, just to love them in return because God is love. My friends saw the love of God and that made all the difference. Is that awesome? We need good people. We need to be good people. And number three, even good people are messy. It's true. Even good people are messy. We said this at the beginning. We said relationships are complicated. Some of them click instantly and you're just BFFs on Instagram together. And others of them, not so much. And relationships are difficult because, you know, we think about what the Bible says and we go, really? Be kind. Really? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Really? And, and forgive 70 times 7. Really? Don't exasperate your kids. Are you kidding? Right? And we go through the whole thing because good people are messy. And that's the thing is that relationships are difficult. They just are. 
and they're messy, and good people are messy. Even you're messy sometimes. Even I'm a little difficult sometimes. I know it's hard to believe. I look like a delight. But I can be difficult sometimes, and so can you. Okay. Even good people are messy. That has been true since Adam and Eve. Since they sinned and then blamed each other. It's just been going that way ever since. And so the commands that are in Scripture that we go, really, to? Those, those commands in Scripture were not written in this, you know, little bubble of happiness where it's heavenly and lovely all the time and nothing ever goes wrong. People think that that's what it is. They go, well, it's not real life. Scripture was written to real life. That these scriptures, these commands were given to real life people in a real life world where relationships are difficult and even good people are messy. And, and you know what the scripture said? Here's what it said in Romans 12. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do all that you can. I love that the hint that you can't, you don't have control over all of it, but just do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Never take revenge. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by what? Doing good. Doing good. If Romans was written in a bubble of happiness where nothing bad ever happened, this scripture wouldn't have been written. It was written to a church, to a real-life church, real-life people in a regular world. Because you could tell, when it says, don't pay back evil with more evil, it tells you, obviously, bad things had happened. When it says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, obviously, that wasn't happening. When it says, don't take revenge, obviously, somebody had been hurt. And when it says, conquer evil by doing good, it's saying, yes, there's evil, do good. Because people are messy, and even good people are messy, and when good people are messy, you still do good. And, and Paul also wrote the church in Ephesus, and, and you got to keep in mind, this was written to Christians, okay? Who, and apparently they needed to hear it. He said in Ephesians 4, to Christians, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. People are messy. Even good people are messy. Say it with me. Even good people are messy. Say to the person beside you, even you're messy. And then own it, and I'm messy too. And you know what? It doesn't change the fact that we need each other. We need each other. So I'm going to ask if you would stand this morning. And, and, and what I want to close with this morning, I want to close with, with one more Facebook comment because someone wrote a prayer and I just thought it was so helpful. And, and I, wanted, I wanted to put it up there and let you just pray it and then, and then I'll close in, in the rest of prayer. But, but I just want you to see what it is they said when they talked about even good people are messy. Here's what it said. You can pray it if you want to. Lord, when someone's being difficult, I often forget that you've also given them a gift that contributes to your body, whether it's apparent or not. I need the wisdom to look past people's difficult behavior and approach every situation with a humble heart 
to encourage them instead of getting frustrated. Thank you. Amen. So God, this morning, we're standing here and we've laughed a bit and kind of nodded and gone, yeah, that's totally true. And I'm grateful, Lord, that your word is so practical. So God, at this moment, those of us who dare, we're inviting you to drop a name into our minds or a situation into our minds where it might be somebody that we need. We need good people, somebody that we need to stay connected with because they're good for us and they're good to have around us and they pour into us. Or it might be somebody that we need to be good people for, not because we need it, but because they do. Or God, you might drop into our minds, you know, the name of somebody or a situation that is really just showing that even good people are messy and it's difficult and complex and we don't quite know how to fix it. Just drop that name in, God, in, in our minds, even at this moment. And God, we're asking that this week, as we walk out of here, that you wouldn't let us forget, but that you would help us to reach out to people that we need to connect with for whatever reason. That you would help us to walk out our faith in really practical ways, even when the voice in our head is screaming, really? Would you help us to walk out doing good and how you say we are to behave in our relationships? God, I ask that you would help us to carry Jesus well into our community, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our families. Help us to do good and love each other. And reveal Jesus. And we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Next week, next week, next week, 10 a.m., fifth Sunday, one service. Stay for spaghetti that's actually penny. Okay? God bless you. See you next Sunday.